this morning, Colossians chapter number 1. We see here what is expected of us as children of God. Chapter 1 and verse number 10 says that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. That ye might walk worthy. That's what God expects. That we might walk worthy unto the Lord unto all pleasing. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now that is what God expects us to do. But how many of you know that God will never give us anything to do that he does not equip us for? God will not ever give us anything to do. He will give us things to do that seem too big, too great, beyond our capabilities, out of our comfort zone. But he will never give us anything to do that he will not do through us if we'll simply allow him to. So he goes on and he says in verse number 11, Colossians chapter 1 still, he says, Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Who hath, somebody's got a hallelujah in them this morning, it's going to accidentally slip out, delivered us from the power of darkness hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. I want to look for a few minutes this morning at living in the power of God. How do we live this life in the power of God? Thank you so much, Father. Thank you for grace, for mercy, for salvation. Thank you for long-suffering. Thank you for loving us in spite of us, God. Lord, I pray that your spirit would move in this place this morning. Lord, I thank you for the presence of your sweet Holy Spirit that moved in the ministry, God. I thank you, Father, for allowing us to worship. I thank you for allowing us to come into the throne room of grace boldly that we might obtain mercy. I thank you for this precious book, for this word, God. I thank you for these homes, these families, these people that are represented here in your house, God. I pray you'd move and do as only you can and speak to each one of us according to your perfect will, God. Shape us and mold us. Break us where we need to be broken. Lord, reveal the things that people think are secret things that aren't secret things, God. Reveal the things that need to be cleaned in our lives, God. Reveal how it is that we might live truly in the power of your word according to your perfect will. We love you, God. Lord, you've been good to us. I pray above all, may your perfect will be accomplished. May you be pleased with us in this place on this day. We love you. We thank you and we praise you in the precious, sweet, and holy name of Jesus. All of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Paul says that the Father, through the sacrifice of the Son, has given us power over darkness. For every one of us, there was a day that darkness reigned in our lives. For every one of us, there was a day before salvation when sin dominated our lives. Sin dominated our actions. As a matter of fact, we did sinful things with little or no remorse because sin, the darkness, the dark things of this world dominated our lives. There was a day when we were separated from God by our sins and we were on our way to hell. And then you have my two favorite words in all of the Bible, but God. Because it doesn't matter what you're dealing with. It doesn't matter what's there. It doesn't matter what sickness, what trouble, what trial, what problem, what financial situation, what family issue. It doesn't matter what you put right there. When you say, but God, everything can change. When you include but God into the equation, everything has to change. Because when light comes into the room, darkness has to flee. When you turn the light on, no darkness can remain. Because darkness cannot stay present in the presence of the light. 
So when you bring God into the equation, you're bringing the light into the equation. So we were all sinners. We were all lost. Somebody say amen. I ain't the only heathen in this house. Somebody say, I was on my way to hell. Deserved to go to hell today. God could put me in hell right now and be fully righteous and just in doing so. But he's never going to because of Jesus Christ. So we know that we were on our way to hell. We know that we were living in darkness. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, whereas he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, God loved us even then. How many of you can look back in your life before you were saved and you say, thank God he let me live long enough to get saved. I should have died a thousand times. I can think of stupid things that I did. I should have been killed. I should have died and went to hell. But God, even when I was lost, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. But he didn't just stop there. Even when I was lost, even when I was living pathetic, even when I was out in the world, God was protecting me, keeping me safe, and telling me about the goodness of his son, giving me opportunities so that even, even when we were dead in sins, he has quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. He has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. I can't wait to see what God has in store for those that love him. You and I as Christians, those who have trusted Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we, we have been delivered. We, we have been set free from the bondage of sin. We, we have been released from the chains that, that once held us. We are ransomed at a great price. We are redeemed from the power of darkness. We're no longer bound to have to live in the change where we used to live. Verse number 14 says, we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. You know, in the Old Testament, shedding of blood was a daily thing. It was always the rams, the lambs, the bulls, the goat, the sheep. For the poor people, it was the turtle doves. That was all they could afford. They had to bring stuff. But sin, somebody go ahead and help me with an amen means I agree. Sin is a constant battle in life. Flesh is a constant battle. It's not an American thing. It's a human thing. It started at Adam and Eve right there at the fall of man that sin became a constant battle. And it was the same was true with the Jew. So they had to do the shedding of the blood every day. They, they had to sacrifice animals over and over in an attempt to cover the wickedness of man. Now, if the blood of the bulls and the goats... I have nothing to, to justify this, nothing to substantiate this. I'm just thinking if you look over a couple thousand years worth of, of daily shedding of the blood of bulls and goats and lambs and rams and doves, I'm just thinking if all the blood that had been shed trying to cover their sins could be contained, it probably would fill up at least one ocean. Maybe even more because the sinfulness of man is great. But praise God, the mercy of God is greater. The sinful of man is great and continual, but the grace of God is greater and forever, never ending. So, so what we see is that the blood of the bulls and the goats could not deliver people from their sins. The word of God tells us in Hebrews chapter 10 that the law having a shadow of good things to come, not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers therein too perfect. For then... Would they not have ceased to be offered? Because the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sin. But in those sacrifices, their remembrance again made of sins every year. 
It is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above, when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither haddest thou pleasure therein which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. A shadow of good things to come. That's what the blood of the bulls and the goats was. It was a shadow of things to come. It was a shadow of the blood of the perfect, spotless, sinless Lamb of God that would come and give his life. Listen, a shadow cannot unlock your door. A shadow of a key cannot unlock your home. A shadow of a key cannot start your car. A shadow of the key cannot open the, the prison doors that held us captive. The shadow of a key cannot take the chains off that had us bound by the things of the world. But the key... The real thing sets the prisoners free, washes away all our sin. The blood of the, of the bulls and the goats of the Old Testament was a shadow. But when Jesus Christ came, his blood was the key. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that set you and I free. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that washes away all of our sin. There is nothing but the blood of the Lamb of God that can wash away sins. The blood of Jesus, the fulfillment of the shadow. But we have been saved for a purpose. We have been saved to live in the power of God. We have been saved to be the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savor, what good is it? Good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. We must be flavorful. But we can't be flavorful if we don't hang out with the flavor source. We, we have been saved not just to continue in the way we were. If you claim you got saved and nothing changed on the outside, I'm sorry to differ with you, but nothing changed on the inside. Because you cannot be indwelled of the Holy Spirit of God and continue to live like the devil and call yourself a child of the king. Because when you got saved, all your past got forgiven. All your sins got forgiven. You were changed, a new creature in Christ, the temple of the living God. And there's the blood to wash away all our sins. Gave us a new name. If you want to turn with me, I want to look at living in the power of God. Turn to the book of Psalms, chapter number 19. I want to look at how do we live in the power of God on a daily basis. And while you're turning to Psalm 19, let me, let me read a passage to you here from 1 Samuel, chapter 13. To understand, we're talking in the Psalms about David. David is the writer of Psalm 19. It is a song that he writes. It is a prayer that he's praying but, but here's how we, we got to this situation. God has sent Samuel, the great prophet, to Saul, who was king of Israel at the time. And he's told him what's going to happen. He tells him why. He says that Samuel said to Saul, thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart. The Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people. Because thou hast not kept that which, is command, which the Lord commanded thee. The man that Samuel is speaking of, of course, is David. 
God himself calls David a man after his own heart. Lord willing, in the next week or two, I don't think it's just a study for me. I think the Lord will give me a message in it to help all of us to try to see how can I be that kind of man? How can I live a life to be the kind of man that God himself would say that is a man after God's own heart? But, but for this morning... For this morning, what does David have to say about living in the power of God? Beginning in verse number 7 there, David gives us some direction on what the power of God is in our lives. The first thing he talks about is the law of the Lord. He says that the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Listen, the law of the Lord is God's written word. If you have your Bible in your hand, you hold God's law. You hold God's commandment. It is, it is the written word. That is his statutes. That is his commandments. That is the law of God that converts the soul. That word converting right there is very important to you and I. Because it comes from a word that means to turn back. It means to bring back or to return to the original state. So what it's telling us is that it is the word of God that has the power to change us, to take us back. To where we were when it all started. Back to where mankind was before the fall in the garden. Back to where we were before sin, sin entered into the equation. Back to where we were before there was a curse. Back to where we were before we were separated from God by sin. It is the word of God that has the power to take us back. And to restore us in a relationship with God the Father. Through Jesus Christ and the filling of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we have the word of God to, to teach us these things. It is the power of the law that can take a sinner like me, cleanse me, put me back in a right relationship with God the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I will never overemphasize the importance of you reading this book. I will never. I hope you're reading Matthew now. I hope we're all reading together. I hope that wasn't just a John thing. I hope that wasn't just the first John week. I hope it wasn't just a six-week challenge that we did together as a church. I hope it was six weeks that changed your life. I hope it was six weeks that changed your daily habit. I hope it was six weeks that taught you to read the Word of God. And you understood that when you read it that morning, you had the power of God in your life throughout the day. I will never overemphasize the importance of preaching and, and, and of reading this book. You can hear it, you can listen to it, but there's nothing like holding it. There, there's nothing like touching it. But then there's nothing like ingesting it, putting it in. But you know, you've got to take it and you've got to put it in and you've got to use it. It's like a meal. If, if God were to give you food and you didn't eat it, it'll do you no good. If you take it and set it there, it'll ruin, but it'll do you no good. But if you put it in... And, and you utilize it and let it put strength in your body. That's what this is. This is our lifeblood. Number seven there in our text. It goes on and says that the testimony of the Lord is sure. Making the wise simple. The testimony of the Lord is the same thing as the law of the Lord. It is his written word to man. Albert Barnes says it is the revealed truth that makes them wise in the knowledge of God. Or imparts to them Real instruction. Verse number 8, David talks about the statutes of God that brings us joy. He says, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing in the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. See, the, the statutes of the Lord, the, the commandments of the Lord, they're both the same thing. That word statute comes from a word that also means commandments. 
That word commandment comes from the word, it also means law or precept. So what we see is that it is the law of God, the, the word of God, the commandments of God, that, that it's not words to bring us into bondage. Listen, God, God's book is not, it's not a set of rules. It, it, it is God's, it's God's commandment. It's, it's not this list of do's and don'ts. It's not this list of things. If you do this, you get yourself in trouble. It's not a, a list of things to try and bring guilt upon us. It's the exact opposite of all that. It is the word of God that sets us free. It is the law of God, the statutes of God. that, that, that sets, it, it says that it enlightens us. It brings light into our lives. It brings light into our soul. It is the word of God that strengthens us and gives us joy. It's not to beat us down, but to pick us up. It's the word of God that takes away uncertainty. It gives us our hope and our strength for today, but it also gives us the assurance of our future. Anybody excited about eternity? There's a better day coming. There ain't going to be no elections. The king of kings is already appointed. He's already seated at the right hand of the Father. Everything's already said and done. And it's not going to be one some election where there's nothing to choose from. They're both bad anyway. Amen. We're going to sit in the presence of the Lamb of God. Everything's all said and done. Our eternity is secured through Jesus Christ. So what we see is that the law of God gives us that, that light. It takes away the uncertainty. Not a list of rules, but, but it is the truth that sets us free. Verse number 9, David talks about the fear of the Lord that changes us. The fear of the Lord is, it says, is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. That word fear comes from a word that means reverence. He goes on to verse number 10 says, That it's more to be desired are they than gold, yea, much fine gold, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. He says this is more to be desired than much fine gold. I don't know why it popped in my mind, but I'll give you, I'll give you this because it popped up on my phone yesterday. Anybody know what, the, what that lottery is at right now? $1.6 billion. Can, can I, I have no idea why I'm putting this in. I'll probably get turned off out there. Can I tell you what it is? It is $1.6 billion of people that don't have the money to be wasting it on a stupid lottery ticket. It is $1.6 billion of people who can't pay their car payment. It is $1.6 billion of people who can't afford to pay their rent. It is $1.6 billion of, of people who are behind on their light bill and trying to keep it on and won't buy their children a piece of candy, but they'll buy something for themselves in the store because they don't have money. It is $1.6 billion of filth. It is $1.6 billion of garbage. My question for the child of God is if you were handed two options, you can have this book or that lottery, what would you take? Oh, I know it sounds all cute and snazzy right here in church. Oh, I, I get the religious answer. But you got to be real for a minute now. Take away everything. You can have one of two things. God says greater to be desired. God says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. But put it in a real spot for a minute, and we're a bunch of liars if we don't think we would have to sit and think about that for a while. $1.6 billion or this book. That's what I have for the rest of my life. That'd be a pretty tough choice. God says it's not for him. God says, take the book, and the $1.6 billion is nothing to the father that owns the cattle of a thousand hills. 
1.6 billion is nothing to the father that also owns the thousand hills. 1.6 billion is nothing to the father that also owns the earth that the thousand hills are on. 1.6 billion is nothing to the father that owns the universe that the earth is in that the thousand hills are on, right? So God says, what would you choose? But, but it's not necessarily easy choices. But, but God says that it's first. Listen, he says that this is the sweetest thing. This is the power of God in our lives. This is not just another book. This is not just the world's number one seller. This is not just a compilation of 66 different writings for more than 40 different authors over a period of 1,500 different years. This is God's authoritative word. This is God's love letter written to you and I. This is God's instruction book on how we can be happy, how to get past problems, how to make marriages strong, how to make finances work, how to make the world right. The problem's not in the book. The problem's in our lack of understanding and living the book. Boy, the amens are getting quieter and quieter. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 says, We also have a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth into a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. Prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So what we have is a very personal love letter written by the Holy Spirit of God himself given to God's children. Can I tell you it's given to the world too? Because we were of the world when we first heard the word, right? It is given to all of mankind to help us understand about the division, the sin and what happened and how it can be restored as one. Verse number 11, we see that the word of God has the power to convict us. Moreover by them is our servant warned and in keeping of them, there is great reward. Listen, I've talked about it. says that it is warned. I've talked about this a lot, but I'm going to put it out there one more time. If you, you may think you have a secret sin in your life, but you have no secrets before God. You, you may think you're hiding some secrets, but they're not as secret as you think. And, and when you're going, that little hesitancy, that thing that happens that, whoo, almost got caught, that was a stop sign that God gave you. That was a chance to turn around and go back. That was a chance to do things right. That is the Holy Spirit of God through the Word of God warning us. But what happens is the flesh overrides and you just begin to run the stop signs. And it'll get to the point that God will put red lights in your life to get you to stop and turn around and go back. But eventually, God will break your backside. He's a good father. He won't continue. Well, I don't know why I got off into all that. As Christians, he, he says here, he says there, keeping the great word, he says, Moreover by them is thy servant warned. Servant. Servant. Y'all see that word? Servant. I ain't no servant. Yes, you are. I'm a servant. Everybody on this planet is a servant. You're either a servant of God or you're the servant of the devil. Everybody on this planet is living for one of the two. Here's the deal. You and I as Christians, we're servants of the Lord. Those who are still lost, they are servants of the devil. You and I as Christians, we are servants of the King of Kings. We have been purchased at a great price. Those who are still out there in the world, they are the slaves of the ruler of darkness. The prince of liars still living in that world. Everybody is a servant. Our Lord... Our Lord, who we're serving of, says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. 
Our Lord says in John chapter 15, verse 14, that ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I've called you friends. For all things that I've heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Our Lord says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. We just looked at this yesterday at a funeral. He said, in my Father's house or what? Many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But he said, I go to prepare a place for you. I, one of those mansions got your name on it. I, I go to prepare a place for you. But if I go, I, I'm not just going to go and hang out. I'm going to come back again. I'm going to receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. That is a promise from our master, our Lord, the one that we serve. Those who are serving the devil, they have a promise too. The only thing he can promise them, the only thing he can offer his service is an eternity in hell. That's the best thing he's got to offer. Albert Barnes says in his commentary that the importance of preaching the law is that sinners may be brought to conviction of sin. Hence, the importance of presenting it constantly before the mind of even the believer that he may be kept from pride. And may walk humbly before God. So we see that it is the word of God that has the power to convict us. It's not only God's revealed word. We don't just have God's revealed word to convict us. But we have the Holy Spirit of God living in us to help us, to guide us, direct us. That is that whispering. Larry and I were just talking about it this morning about hearing. No, it wasn't. It was Tyrone and I talking about the whispering, understanding the voices. And Tyrone talking about people recognizing your voices. I preached on that a while back. People want to know, how do I know when it's God talking to me? You need to talk to him enough to recognize his voice. We recognize our spouse's voices. We recognize our children's voices. The people we talk to often, we recognize their voice. And if we spend enough time in prayer with the Holy Spirit, we recognize the Holy Spirit. And it is the Holy Spirit that will always guide us. And he will always guide us in the same direction of the law. Pretty simple. If what you feel like going in your head is contrary to this, it ain't the Holy Spirit. Because the devil don't mind whispering too. The devil don't mind lying too. The devil don't mind trying, trying to get us to do the wrong thing. Somebody go and say amen. Well, we see there in verse number 11 that we as servants were warned. Albert Barnes in his commentary, The Importance of Preaching the Law of Sinners, I read that one to you. And he goes on to verse number 12, and he says, that Who can understand his errors? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret thoughts. David says, who? Which one of us can understand our errors without the word of God? It is the word of God that helps us to know right from wrong. It's not to beat us over the head. It's to help us to know the straight and narrow. David says, which one? Which one is it that, that can know our sin without the word of God? First John says in chapter 1 and verse 6, If we say we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us. From all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, the truth's not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. John Gill says, Sin is an error or wandering out of the way of God. 
swerving from the rule of his word, and many mistakes are made by the people of God themselves, even so many that they cannot number them. Albert Barn again, he says, A man who does not desire to be cleansed from all these secret faults cannot be a child of God. Oh, wait, 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 wait. What did he say? He, he said, A man who does not desire to be cleansed. Y'all with me? A man does not des des desire to live according to the book. A man that does not desire to live holy. A man that desires worldly things over godly things. A man that has desires that are contrary to the book. He said that if we don't have the desire to be cleansed from all of our secret faults, cannot be a child of God. He who is a child of God will pray without ceasing, that's scriptural, that from these pollutions of the soul, he may be made pure. What we need is to spend time reading, God, reading God's word Every day. Because it is the power of God's word that will convict us to what the secret sins are. And conviction leads to prayer, which leads to repentance, which leads to forgiveness, which leads to restoration, which puts us where we need to be with God. Amen? But it has to start under the power of reading the laws of God. Verse number 13 says that the word of God has the power to guide us. How many of you know... That we ought to seek God's guidance in every decision. I know some decisions seem simple. We just get up and here's the choice and we just go do it. That, that, that's, that's a pride deal. That, that's a pride deal. I'm, I'm chief of it, I promise you. We just, we just go do it. We know how to do it. We know where to go right. And we just go do it. We, we ought to seek God's direction in everything we do. In, in every decision that has to be made. Verse number 13 here in our text says, Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright. I shall be innocent from the great transgression. David says, Lord, forgive me. Keep me from the sin of pride. Keep, keep me away. Let not the sin of pride have power over my life. Have dominion over my life. Have, have authority and rule in my life. Because if it doesn't, then I'll be upright. Then I'll walk holy before you. I shall walk humbly with my God, he says. And, and then I'll be innocent from the great transgression, which is the abundance of sin. David says, Lord, show me the way and then help me to walk in it. You've probably heard the story about the woman's on the ship. I, I heard it. I think it was Charles Stanley told it one time. It may have been David Jeremiah. I also read it in a book, one of John Phillips' books. He told the story about the lady who was on a ship, and the ship was sailing, and it was in this passageway, and the, there's rocks all around, some above water, big rocks, small rocks, and the sea's rough, and it's hitting the rocks. It's just splashing, spraying into the air, and the lady, she's nervous, and, and she goes to the captain, and she says, do, do you know where all of the rocks are? And he says, no, ma'am. I don't know where any of the rocks are. That, that's pretty comforting, right? I mean, you're, you're looking, you're on a ship, and, and you got rocks everywhere, and you know if you hit one of them, it's going to sink the ship, and you have no idea what it leads to. And so you ask me, you know where the rocks are, and, and you got to hope that, yes, ma'am, I know every woman says, no. No, ma'am, I, I, don't, I don't know where any of the rocks are. He, he points to a GPS graph, and he says, but I do know where the deep water is. 
He said, you see, this graph right here, it shows me the deep water. It shows me the path to take. And if I stay in this path, I will never hit the rocks. See, that's what the Word of God is. It is our GPS graph that will keep us in the deep water. It'll keep us on the straight and the narrow. It'll keep us in the plan of God to fulfill the will of God. It'll keep us away from the rocks. It'll keep us away from the devil's tricks and tactics and things that he puts up. Because we have a GPS. God himself gave it to us. David is praying. He says, Lord, help me to live in the power of your word. Then he says something in the prayer, and every one of us would do very well to memorize this and pray this every single day. I don't mean memorize, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food. I don't mean memorize and lay down in the bed and before you drift off, now lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, no, I'm, I'm not talking about memorizing, just spitting something out. I'm not condemning those for your children. I'm not. If you use those with your children, I think it's great to just do something to teach your children to pray. Y'all with me? Teach them to pray before they partake of a meal because if it wasn't for God, you don't have it. Teach them to pray that God will protect them through the night and help them the next day because if it wasn't for God, we wouldn't have protection. So it's okay. I'm not knocking the little prayers that you use. I promise you I'm not. Teach your children, but at some point, teach them to pray. At some point when they get older, say, hey, let's add a little bit to that. Why don't you pray for your mommy, daddy? Why don't you pray for your grandma, grandpa? Hey, why, why don't you pray for school tomorrow? Why, you got a test coming up? Why don't we just pray together about that test and begin to show them that everything in this life is worth praying about because if it matters enough to you to talk to God, it matters enough to God to listen. If it's important enough to you to talk to him about it, it's important enough to him to help you with it. Well, I keep getting lost off. I ain't even preaching half my notes, but that's okay. David's desire was to be pleasing to God. And he prays a prayer that every one of us would do well to memorize and pray it, not as a memorized prayer, but from a position of the heart. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. When you get up in the morning... It's always a good one. You start out with good morning, Father. Lord, thank you for protecting my family and my home through the night. Thank you, God, for, for keeping a hedge about us, Father. Thank you, Father, for, for my family and my home. And God, I thank you for this day, another day to serve you, God. Another day to live pleasing to you. But God, you know the challenges that I'll face today. God, will you help me? This would be my will today to let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. God, forgive me of every evil thought, every evil deed, every imagination of the heart, God. Cleanse me of anything that I thought that was impure, unholy, unrighteous, unsanctified, God. Cleanse me in the blood of Jesus. Wipe my slate clean and help me today. Help me today. This is my desire, that the words of my mouth would be pleasing to you. That everything I say bring glory and honor to you on this day. And that the thoughts of my heart continually bring praise and honor and glory. Because the world may not see what you're thinking, but God does. So God, I, I need you to help me to control my mind. Do any of you ever, and, and this is fair enough for me because I don't ever dream, but I don't, I, I don't know, two times a year maybe, and then it's something stupid. What do you dream, stupid stuff? But, but I, I pray before I go to sleep because I don't want to dream. And You know, you can dream some stuff that ain't right. 
and wonder where in the world it come from. So I pray before I go to sleep. And I believe it's why I don't dream much. God, protect my mind while I sleep. Help me to protect my thoughts when I'm awake. It's up to you when you're awake. You can control what you think. Uh-oh, boy, he done gone into meddling, got off the dabbling. I live in the same planet you do. I understand the battle. I live in the same life. You can control the thoughts of your mind if you will. You can stop thinking about something bad and start singing about something good. But we don't always do that. It's a battle. It's a struggle. So ask God in the morning, may the words of my mouth be acceptable. But Lord, help me that the thoughts of my mind would be pleasing. Help me that even what I think is pure and holy and righteous. Help me, God. And then when you go to bed at night, say, God, protect my mind while I sleep. May even, may I sleep in your will. May I sleep in your presence. May I sleep in, in pleasing you. Protect my mind while I sleep. Control. I, listen, that needs to be our prayer. Man, you guys come on up. It always gives people hope when I say that. Paul wrote 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He said in verse number 19, he said, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? Which ye have of God. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. And in your spirit, which are God's. Chapter 7, he says in verse 21. Art thou called being a servant? Care not for it. But if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. For he that is called in the Lord being a servant is the Lord's freeman. Likewise also, he that is called being free... Is Christ's servant. Ye are bought with the price. Be ye not servants of men. Can, can I tell you a lot of times as Christians, we, we worry more about what men are going to think about us than what God's going to think about us. We more worry more about the opinions of those around us than the opinions of our creator. We, wor we worry more about the thoughts of those that see us on a daily basis than the thought of the one that hung on a cross to redeem our unworthy soul. We, we, we worry about pleasing people. We, we worry about satisfying. We worry about status quo. God says that's, that's not what we need to be worried about. We need to worry about living a life pleasing to God. And, and then when people see our lives, they will see our God through us. They will see our Christ in us. They, they will see redemption. They won't see perfection because we're a bunch of heathens. So what they'll see is that even a heathen can be saved. Even a heathen can walk in the light. Even a heathen can have the goodness of God. But they got to see us working to please God. You know, um, Jeff and Susan, the Wisnets. The Wisnets sing a song. I love the song. I love to sing it a lot. It's a desire of my heart. I've been singing it for years. I've been trying it for years. And I'm fully convinced I'm never going to get there. But it doesn't mean that I don't want to. The song says the center of your will. God says the, the song is, is forever I long to be in the center uh, of your will. A, a couple of the, of the lines. It says... No matter where it takes me, no matter where it leads, I'll follow you always. Your plan I'll fulfill. Forever I long to stay in the center of your will. I'm just curious. You don't have to raise your hand. It's just a question for all of us. It's just an inside question. It isn't for anybody else to see. 
But, but without raising your hands, just in the heart, how many of us every single day, all we really want to do is please God? I mean, when we get up in the morning, we, we have one desire. God, may I be pleasing to you today. Father, I have one goal. I'm fixing to get out of this bed. My feet's going to hit the floor, and it's going to start right there. You already know the trials of the day. You already know the tribulation of the day. You already know the things I'm going to face. You know the temptations. You know the harassments. You know all the things that the world will bring against me. You already know. Before my feet hit this floor, I'm telling you right now, God, I want to live this day in the center of the perfect will of God. I don't want to veer left. I don't want to veer right. I pray you give me a GPS. Keep me in the deep. Don't let me hit any rocks. God, I want to live in the center of your perfect will. That's where I long to stay. I don't want to let you down today. But I know me. I know my weakness. I know my failures. I know my sin. I know my thoughts. I know my problems. And I know I can't do it. But your word says that I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. But your word also says that without me, I can do nothing. Without you, I can do nothing. So here's what I know. Without the power of God on me, I'm a set up failure. With the power of God requested upon our lives, do you think that you will ask God to help you and he won't help you? Do you think that we can ask God, say, Lord, I want to live pleasing to you. Will you guide me today? Help me make godly decisions, walk godly paths, say godly words, do godly things that you may be glorified and the people will see Christ in me. You think God's not going to honor that prayer? You think God's not going to give you guidance? Now what it is going to do, the devil's going to hear it when you pray it out loud. That's why sometimes I keep prayers to myself. Y'all know what I mean? He can't read my mind. I just assume not let him in on my battles. But he can hear the words of your mouth. When you're praying to God, help me this day, you go to the devil. Go, I got something to say about that. Let me lay this stick right here in front of him to trip him. God says, move that stick. If we bathe everything in prayer. See, we have the power. We have victory. We are children of God. We have victory over sin. We have victory over death. We have victory over the temptations of this world. We are not defeated. We're not beat down. We have victory to live in the power of God. But we live in the power of God through the Word of God. It is God's revealed will already written. I want to ask if you would to stand. I'm going to ask you one. For children of God, if it is your heart's desire to truly live every day of your life in the center of the perfect will of God, talk to him about it. God, it is my will. It is my heart. I want to be pleasing to you. The altar is a great place to pray, but it's not the only place to pray. You can pray right where you're at. You can pray all the way home and pray when you get home. But the altar is certainly a good place to talk to him. You got some things that you need the Lord to help you with. You got some brokenness, some problems. You need God to meet you in some trials. This is a great place to bring them to them. Say, Lord, I can't carry this. I'm going to put it right here and hand it to you, and I'm going to leave it with you. It's a burden that's too heavy for me, but I know you can take it and bring it and drop it off and leave it with him. God is faithful. I want to ask you, would, to bow your head. You're welcome to come pray if you want, but I want to ask you real quick before they sing, if you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, don't leave here today without that. Don't leave here today without salvation. It is the gift of God. It is free. We're born into sin. We're all sinners by nature. It is the blood that comes from the inside. It is that, that flesh that we fight every day. But Jesus came that we might be set free from that sin. Jesus came and shed his blood that we don't have to die and go to hell. He said, I'm the way. He's the truth, the life. He is the way to the Father. But you must trust Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. There is no other way. There is no other way. The world is a lie. The world belongs to the devil, the father of lies. There's not a thousand ways. It's not one place with a hundred different ways to get there. It's one place and there's one way and his name's Jesus Christ. 
You can be saved this morning. Live stream, YouTube, wherever you are. You can be saved. It is the power of God. You say, Father, I'm a sinner. Lord, I, I, I just want to be saved. I confess my sins. I'm, I'm asking you to forgive me my sins. Come into my heart. Save my soul. I don't know how you pray it. It doesn't matter as long as you confess your sins. But it is to trust Christ as your Savior. It's not lip service. It's, it's not just getting to say, I want to be saved. and I don't want to go to hell and then go back on living like you're going to hell. It just says, God, I surrender my heart to you today. And I'm asking you, Lord, to lead God and direct my life. I want to live a life pleasing to you, starting right now in Jesus' name. And God is faithful to save you through the blood of Jesus Christ.